Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. high school, I was a brand new Christian and I got invited to play drums and bass for the worship band. And I was so excited. And uh, I remember one day on a Sunday morning, there was this older guy who came up to me and he said, you know what? I just, I can't worship today. I just can't get into worship because the band, the music is just so bad. I'm like, dude, I'm in the band. (laughs) Come on, are you kidding me? I was just so insulted. And uh, I'm reminded of this quote by a great pastor, writer, thinker, A.W. Tozer, who wrote this, a church that can't worship must be entertained. And people who can't lead a church to worship must provide entertainment. And so when uh, people tell me the worship is bad, I just can't help but say, well, Good thing worship isn't for you. It's for God. Because even when the music is bad, our God is still good. Not saying anything about Kalos music this morning. (laughs) But even when the music is bad, our God is still worthy of all glory and honor and worship and praise because of who he is. Can I get a better amen? And so it's a miracle that we're in this building And the reason we wanted to start this series to start off our time here is because uh, I've seen a lot of ministries. I've been part of a lot of churches that as we've gotten established in buildings, as we've had stability, as our lighting got more fancy, as all of these programs got a little bit more sophisticated, we started focusing on the, the gifts and started ignoring the giver of the gifts, Jesus Christ. We started depending on the stability of a program or a place or a building or the way the art is or the chairs are or all these external factors. And we started to become dependent on these things instead of primarily being a place where, hey, as long as the presence of the Lord is here, we're good. I want to worship God with all my heart. And so we just wanted to say as the first fruits, as our first moments in this place, we want to start off by worshiping the Lord by giving thanks. We're not here to be a social club. We're not here to primarily give good advice, but we are a house of prayer. We are a house of worship. And all of our ministry is because God first loved us and we respond with love back to him. And out of that hope and healing and justice, all of those things are the fruit of us being in the presence of the Lord. And so in this first full series in this building, even right now, can we just take a moment and thank the Lord that he's given us a place? With your voices, with your clapping, can we just say, thank you, Lord. We worship you. Thank you, Lord. We're not here to just be entertained, but to be in your presence, to glorify your great name. Oh, Lord, we love you. There's a famous verse where Jesus is in John chapter 4, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, 
So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. I want this scripture to set the framework for this sermon, but also this series and this first fruit time, this first season in this building. It says that Jesus is explaining the Father, and he says, our Father, our Heavenly Father, is looking for worshipers. And I want him to be able to find us right here. The Father is looking for worshipers. And not only that, Jesus explains, he doesn't just want us to worship him however we decide or however we feel like it. He doesn't just want us to worship him however we choose with our own ideas. But he says, those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. He has parameters and expectations for the acceptable worship he desires. And our heart is, if the Father is looking for worshipers, he can find them right here. Amen? If our Father is looking for worshipers, he can find us right here in the house of God planted. But as a leader, I'm going to be honest, I've wanted to please the crowds. I've turned worship at times into a spectacle into this entertainment, because I want people to come back. I want people to enjoy their time. I want them to like their experience. And I've been guilty of not just worshiping God and making it about him, but entertaining the people who have gathered. If you don't believe me that I've made worship a spectacle and just entertainment, let me show you an example. Let's play that video. So that's Andrew Janney's on guitar. That's me on the right. And we're in a coffee shop with non-Christians. I did a 30-day singing challenge, and I wanted to conclude it with a concert. Ben Jennings. coffee shop in Michigan, wanted to do this worship song, but we had a bunch of non-Christians, so we made it a spectacle, and it was a spectacle, Andrew. Great job with the Mario theme song ending. (laughs) Glorious. (laughs) And so uh, I want to bring some definition to what's the difference between worship and entertainment, especially considering that quote we read from A.W. Tozer. So let me read some quotes that I thought were helpful. Worship is an act of homage. 
reverence, and devotion paid to a deity. Entertainment is something that offers us amusement, excitement, and a diversion from the mundane problems of our life. Worship is something we do. It implies an active participation in the act of worship. Entertainment is an activity where we are merely spectators. Our emotions may be thoroughly aroused, but we have no active role in the activity being presented. Isn't that helpful? Uh, Developing upon this thought, another quote, entertainment depends on my skill. Worship depends on God's presence. Entertainment draws people to me. Worship draws people to Jesus. Entertainment causes amazement in the talents of people. Worship causes awe in the love of God. Entertainment leads to repeat visitors. Worship leads to discipleship. Amen? And so are we against art and excellence and creativity? No. But the primary means, the primary desire in our worship is we are bringing our attention to Jesus. We are glorifying the King of Kings. Can I get a good amen? And so we want to enjoy his presence. And I want people to look at him and not just me, even if I'm in a coffee shop playing my heart out. And so I know that worship is an intimidating subject, especially if we're new to the faith. If we're new to the assembly, the church, these gatherings, it's like we come in and we see all these people singing lyrics on the screen like Christian karaoke. People are really into it. Some people are raising their hands. I mean, who here doesn't like to raise your hands in church? (laughs) Makes sense. The response makes sense. And we're like, <laughs> what's going on? It's like, these people really like this song. It's like, it's soft rock equal worship. Like, what is happening? I know it can be kind of intimidating. And so in this series, we want to bring a better understanding of worship, the why, the what, and how we can participate it in it in the way that the Father desires. And so I want to share some helpful uh, theological points and tips and directions for the idea of worship. The first thing I want to emphasize is this. Everybody worships something. Worship isn't a genre. Worship isn't even music itself. Worship is an act of reverence and adoration. And so worship doesn't equal music. We use music to worship God. The way we live our lives, the way we financially give, the way we treat our families, that can be an act of reverence and adoration and devotion to God. I worship the Lord with all of my lives. And so the reality is all of us, even if we're atheistic, even if we're agnostic, we all worship something. If you go to a football game, you'll see people cheering at the top of their lungs covering their face with paint, paying lots of money and and screaming for their team, adoration through the good times and the bad times. That's a form of worship. During election years, you'll have people talking about their favorite uh, person who needs to win the election, why everybody else is bad. And you'll see people giving money and decorating their house with signs saying, my person is the best person. That can be a form of worship. When an artist reveals and releases sales on Ticketmaster. You see people waiting like eight hours or days for a Taylor Swift ticket. And then they get there and they have every verse memorized so that they can sing and lift their hands up and sway to the music with all the throngs of fellow people. That can be a form of worship. 
even worshiping ourselves. I spent all my time, my money, my thoughts, my ideas on making myself the most comfortable. That can be a form of worship. I love this quote. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you will worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you'll always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million different deaths before they finally plant you. Worship power, you'll feel weak and afraid, and you will need ever more power over others to keep that fear at bay. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid or fraud, always on the verge of being found out. And so we are all giving our hearts to something. And throughout the scripture, though, the Father says he is looking for us to worship him. Throughout the scriptures, God says, I want you to worship. The greatest commandment starts off by saying, I command you to love God with all your heart, your mind, and soul. Exodus 34, 14 says, For you shall love no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Did you know that God is jealous for you? That God wants your desire, your affection. He wants your heart. In other words, God wants to be exclusive with you. I know we live in an inclusive culture where we're told you can worship whatever you want. You can love whatever you want. But God says, I am a jealous God. I don't just want part of your heart. I want the whole thing. I want all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. And if you choose to love something else, God says, I am a jealous God. Jealous in the Hebrew word Ghana means Jealous and or zealous, meaning caring passionately. It means he wants us to be his people. He doesn't want us to love anything or anyone else more than him. You know, in in ways in our lives, we can be jealous people. And I don't think it's all a sin. It's all a bad thing. When you want to be with your family, you want to be with your partner, you want to be with a friendship. And not in an unhealthy way, but it's like, I want your focus. Sometimes in our marriage, Pastor Amritha and I will be watching a Netflix show, and it'll be our thing. It'll be our routine. Right now, we're watching the show, The Chosen, about Jesus. Highly recommend it. If you haven't watched it, it's so beautiful. I literally cry in every episode, and I don't cry a lot around Amritha. And she, every time she knows I'm about to cry in The Chosen, you know what she does? She just zones in and gets really close and looks at my tears flowing down my face. And she pouts out her lip and she goes, are you crying? <laughs> I'm like, I don't want you to look at me while I'm crying. Leave me alone in my tears. Be like, oh, my husband is crying. <laughs> Do you love Jesus? You like he, how he healed the paralytic. I'm like, come on. It moved my heart. Anybody cry watching The Chosen? It's beautiful. But there are times where Pastor Amritha and I will have her own show, but then I'll find out she watched the next episode with somebody else. And that is cheated. And I'm like, I am jealous for you. How dare you? 
you should watch the show with me. And everybody said, amen. amen. In the same way, God is jealous for you. He wants to watch life with you. God wants to be exclusive with you. I love what the North African early church father, Augustine, said. He said, Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all. Christ is not valued at all unless he's valued above all. I remember when I first became a Christian. I was in high school, and I was, uh, I was on the wrestling team in my high school, and this was Apple Valley High School in Minnesota, a very successful team, had won the state championship so many times, had won nationals, I think, two years in a row at that time. And so it was, it was a hardcore wrestling team. I'd be wrestling before school, before the sun rose. It was dark. And then after school, we had practice after the sunset. So I wouldn't see outdoor sunlight for the whole season. It took up all of my time wrestling and practicing, training, cutting weight, all of that kind of stuff. But during that time, I became a Christian. And I remember feeling like the Lord said, I'm jealous for you. I want you to spend more of your time in the house of God and develop a relationship with me. I want you to quit the wrestling team. I felt like the spirit of the Lord was leading me to quit the wrestle team. And to be honest, I, I wrestled with that. But I eventually, I felt like this is the decision I need to make. And so I quit the wrestling team, and I started getting involved with church, and I even joined the church band. Didn't do good work there, <laughs> but I was in the band. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I realized, like, there are legitimate pleasures in our life. They're not sin. They're not bad. But anything that gets in the way of your relationship with God is sin. Anything that gets in the way of your devotion and adoration and worship to God would be what the scriptures call idolatry. Idolatry is anything that takes the rightful first center place of God in your heart, your mind, and your life. And to me at that time, wrestling took up all of my time, my attention, and I laid it down at the feet of Jesus so that I could worship him. Is there something that is taking the place in your heart that only God should fill? Well, God wants to be exclusive with you. And I'm so glad I decided to give my first and best to God instead of wrestling. And it changed the course of my life. And uh, choosing worship over every legitimate and illegitimate pleasure in my life, it formed me. And why, point number two, it's this principle that I've learned in my life. You become like what you worship. God's invitation for us to worship him is an invitation to become like him. And so does God ask us to worship him, to love him, because he's insecure, because he's incomplete, because he's empty, because he has this need? No, I don't think that. It's true. I believe his invitation for us to worship him is a gift. It's a chance for us to find freedom and life and to become like him. Because we're all going to worship something. But when we try to worship money or relationships or careers, we realize that like money is a wonderful tool, but it's a horrible master. Work and our careers are wonderful tools, but they're horrible masters. And when we submit our lives to these things, they abuse us and they work us to the bone and they torture us and they don't fulfill us. And Jesus realizes the only one who can satisfy, truly satisfy the human soul is the one who created it. Worship forms us into the image of God. I want to show you a video of how sound actually forms physical life here on earth. Let's watch this video in something called cymatics. Is a metal plate 
and we sprinkle on some sand. What you see here is completely formless. In other words, there's no pattern at all. Then we take a violin bow and we're going to play the plate with the violin bow. You see a beautiful star appears on the plate. Now, that pattern that forms is basically the sound made visible and it's kind of magic. And now watch what happens when we make this plate vibrate from an electronic piano. Isn't that neat? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> so cinematics is amazing. Sound forms us. God spoke the world into existence, and it, it became a reality. I mean, God is forming us in worship, and one of the greatest tools of worship is music. And every week when we worship, when we lift up, songs that lift up the name of Jesus, people tell us, I, I walked into the room, I entered the song, I wasn't really confident on what Christianity represented, I didn't know all the scriptures, I don't know a lot of theology, but I know that when I entered this room and sang with the people of God, something began to shift in my heart and my spirit. Anybody here ever felt that? Maybe you use the words like, I felt an energy in the room, I felt a vibe, I felt something different, I felt like I walked in with despair and I had joy and hope. I felt like I was surrounded by death, but I was uplifted and I experienced life and life abundantly. I'm telling you what, when we lift up a shout of praise, songs of worship, when we gather as the people of God in worship, it forms us and helps us to become something that's not defined by death in our past, but life in a future of hope with God. And it's beautiful and it's powerful. And this is why worship is so important for us because it shapes us and it sets us free. For those of us who have given our hearts to things that didn't love us back, we know that what we love shapes us. What we love forms us. And many of us have had addictions in our lives and we were like, I give my life to these drugs or I, I'm giving a lot of my time and my effort to pornography. And I don't like how it's shaping me. I don't like what my affection is doing to impact me. But when we worship God, what a gift that the King of Kings would allow us into his presence. And when we're in his presence, when we hear the sound of worship, he's saying, I want to help you experience good things. I have a plan for you to be free. I want you to experience hope, not destruction. And that shapes us to be like God. It's not out of insecurity he wants us to worship him. It's because he wants us to experience not death or destruction, but to have life and life to the full. Can I get a good amen? It's a gift to worship God. Continuing my high school journey, around the time I started getting involved with church, I had a group of friends who weren't Christian at all. And in fact, they used to come over to my house and store drugs that we would sell to our high school at my house. And they started off really not getting high on their own supply. But eventually, they started, you know, just smoking these gateway drugs, getting into heavier things. And my friends were pretty smart friends. I had a friend, he was in 
college math when he was in early middle school, way smarter than me. But he started getting into more and more heavy drugs and stopped going to school, couldn't hold a job down. And at the same time, I began to throw myself into the the worship team at church started to have a lifestyle of worship. I wanted to be at every service. I wanted to be with the people of God. And this was a time where I wanted to end my life. That's why I went to church in the first place, because I was desperate. But being around the people of God, experiencing these songs of joy, uplifting praise, I, I began to find freedom. I no longer felt like I was a mistake or an accident or a person without purpose. I felt like God made me on purpose for a purpose. And I, I began to go from being this violent person, failing all of my classes, to experiencing like, oh my goodness, I, I can make a difference in this world. I have a heavenly father who loves me just as I am, but he has a great purpose for me. And so he's shaping me. And every chance I had, I experienced God discipling me and putting me on this journey. But at the same time, my friends were going on a totally different spiritual journey. They're following the trail of drugs and wanting to experience more and greater and intense highs. And eventually, I was in Bible college going after a call to be a, a minister and preach the gospel one day, maybe starting a church. And my friends, who were so much smarter than I, uh, they ended up, many of them, dying I remember getting a call from my friend. Did you see what happened to our, our friend? He, he got high, walked into a highway, got hit by a car, and now he's dead. And it's amazing because these are friends I was doing life with, but we chose to give our affections in two totally different directions in the same time in our life. And I'm just so thankful that I chose to worship someone who wanted good for me and not just wanted to use me or damage me. Because here's the thing about sin. Idols, they'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and, and they'll make you pay more than you want to pay. But we serve a God who we can't outgive. And when we give our heart to him, he gives us love back that overflows. And we can live life out of an abundance of his good. Amen. It's the beauty of Jesus. He calls us to worship him, to lay down our lives for him. But that's because he first laid down his life for us. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He lived a perfect life, showed us a better way because he loves you. And he invites you to love him back. And so I, I want to close with this point, point number three, and it's this. I believe that today worship is a choice. And band, you can come up here. Worship is something we get to choose to do. There's a quote by Graham Kendrick that says, Worship has been misunderstood as something that arises from a feeling which comes upon you. But it is vital that we understand that it is rooted in a conscious act of the will to serve and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Every morning, I have a choice. Am I going to choose life or am I going to choose death? And I get to choose. Lord, I choose to worship you. Sometimes we think we're going to just get this wave of emotions or this spiritual euphoria. We're waiting for this just like divine feeling, and then we'll acknowledge that the Lord is worthy. Can I just propose to all of us today that the Lord is worthy of our worship, even if we don't feel like it? The, worthy is, the Lord is worthy of our worship, even if we're not in the mood. The Lord is worthy of our worship, 
even if the band doesn't sound very good, which I'm not saying today or at all, the Lord is worthy. And so we choose to worship. Worship is a spiritual discipline. Let's remember that the scriptures command us the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we get to choose to obey that commandment or not. And so uh, there's going to be times in your life where things are going really well and you're distracted and you just want to focus on that. Can I propose that you choose to worship during the good times? Would you not forget the one who answered your prayers when your prayers are answered? But also there are going to be times where life is rough and it's difficult. And you're like, Lord, I just don't feel like worshiping you because you're not answering my prayers the way I want it. Can I, I just say, Lord is worthy of worship, even if we're not getting our way, even if we don't understand what's happening, even if we're frustrated with the Lord's timing, the Lord is worthy of our worship. And so with, with this series, full disclosure, cards on the table, we're hoping that this sermon series would shape us as a house of worship, as a people of worship, that when we come and gather as the people of God, we wouldn't just be spectators. We wouldn't be waiting for people on the stage to entertain us, where we're just like standing back, wondering if we'll enter in. But we would be the worshipers the Father is seeking, worshiping Him with all of our spirit and in truth, the way He wants us to worship Him. And so we're going to be going on a journey of explaining what does it mean to worship the Lord biblically in spirit and in truth? How does the scripture instruct and command us to worship? We're going to be going on this journey. But full disclosure, my hope, Pastor Maritha's hope, our lead team's hope is that when we lift up our songs, that this place would erupt with the voices of God's people, that we would be all part of God's choir singing for an audience of one. Our, our hope, honestly, is that this would be a house where people are on their knees before the Lord and this altar would be filled with people repenting and saying, Lord, have mercy on me. I lift up my eyes to you. My salvation comes from you. Our hope is that this would be a place where people are jumping and singing and twirling around and saying, Lord, I have to dance for you. And I can get even more undignified this than this. Like Miriam in the Old Testament, she sang songs of deliverance. Like Mary in the New Testament, she declared her adoration towards God. I mean, like Paul, he said, I desire that the houses of God would be filled with men lifting up their hands. Oh, I pray that we would clap our hands in the assembly of God. And so we're going to be going on a journey. And I know many of us are intimidated or insecure or shy when it comes to worship. But I believe that God is worthy of our worship, even if we're insecure about it and intimidated about it. And we're not going to bring guilt or anything like that, but we're going to instruct us in the ways of worship. Because like A.W. Tozer said, if we don't know how to worship, we'll need entertainment. And as leaders in this house, if we don't know how to lead you in worship, we're going to have to entertain you. And we don't want to be in the entertainment industry. Amen. Let me close with this quote. A.W. Tozer again says, any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. And so I pray, Lord, would you make us ready for an eternity where we declare that you are holy, 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 where every tongue, tribe, and nation declares, Lord, you are the King of Kings. Let's stand up, shall we? And so, Lord, we worship you.
Would you just lift up your hands with me as a sign of worship, a physical expression, a surrender? Lord, would you help us to be the worshipers you seek? Lord, would you help us to be the worshipers you want? Would you help us to worship you in spirit and in truth? Lord, would you form us in worship to become like you? Lord, like all of the particles of the universe respond to sound, Lord, we want to respond to the sound of your salvation. Oh, Lord, have your way. Team, would you lead us in this chorus of worship right now? And let's lift up our voices to the one who can truly satisfy us. Thank you, Lord. Here I am to worship. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Here I am. Here I am. Well, we're going to open this up for a time of prayer and worship. Prayer team, if you could come to the front. If you have a personal prayer request, you need someone to pray with you over a struggle or something like that, come to the front. The band is going to continue to sing and play behind us. But what I want to ask is, can we get into groups, circle up, we're still a house of prayer, and let's get into groups of three or five. If you see someone standing alone, ask them, hey, would you come join me and pray together? And would you pray that over your brothers and sisters, let's pray for one another, that we would be worshipers. Lord, would you help us to worship? Lord, would you help us to have thanksgiving and praise and worship in our heart? Would you help us to be formed by you? So let's do that right now. Let's get into groups. You can move chairs around if you need to. And let's pray that we would become the kind of worshipers that God seeks. And we also have our team up at the front if you need prayer for anything.
Let's pray for about one more minute. thank you that you've made us a house of prayer, a house of worship. Lord, thank you that we have the gift of being in your presence. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to worship you the way that you want, that you would be the God that we place above everything else, Lord. You are the one true God. You are the Lord. We choose to worship you in your house, Lord, we pray. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.